Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And wait for it, my friends in Seattle. Wait for it. A little over the top, maybe. We got Datitude, right? Speaking of, welcome to Datitude episode number 14 for a Tuesday, October the 26th, 2021. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at The Advocate, The Times-Picayune, and bet.nola.com. In just about 15 minutes, we will have on Doug Mouton, sports director for WWL-TV, who will come on and give his analysis of the Saints' ugliest pretty win in quite some time, 13-10 over the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night. But first, what am I feeling this morning? It goes a little something like this. Yeah, we're busting a move. But we do have breaking news this morning, unfortunately. Before I get to my new segment, Derry's Dime, where I offer my commentary from each week's game. And we just happen to be starting it now. It's week seven. Who cares? We can start it whenever we want. It's, it's our podcast, right? We do have breaking news in the Saints world. And it's not good news. Um, it has been reported by Bleacher Report. I saw it. I'm not sure where they got it from. But if they're reporting it, it's 99% of the time it's true that Will Lutz is out for the season. He has declared himself out. He's not going to come back. So it's looking like Brian Johnson. Hey, dude did a good job. We're going to get to him in just a minute. But in case you haven't heard, breaking news, Will Lutz likely out for the season. We'll see how that affects the team going forward. But I don't want to be Derry Downer today because I'm anything but down. I have to ask, who gets the game ball from last night? Is it Demario Davis? Is it Alvin Kamara? Is it Dennis Allen? Maybe even Brian Johnson, the new Saints kicker for the rest of the season, most likely. Well, at least for this week. But let's start with Demario Davis. He might have had his best game as a Saint, and that is certainly saying something. Ten tackles, seven solo, two sacks, four tackles for loss, three quarterback hits, and nearly a pick six to put an exclamation point on the victory. We're going to talk about that with Doug Mouton in just a little bit. But then there's Alvin Kamara. Ten catches for 128 yards, the only touchdown, 179 yards, of total offense and five first downs. What about Dennis Allen? 
a perfect game plan, absolutely perfect. You know, you take out the one play where Marshawn Lattimore whiffed and he allowed D.K. Metcalf to streak down the right sideline, 84-yard touchdown. You take that out, and the Saints allowed 173 yards of total offense the rest of the night and three points. Brian Johnson, now the new Saints kicker, guy who for this time last year was kicking for Virginia Tech and fighting to find his way on an NFL roster, became the fourth kicker of the Saints for the Saints this season. We're only one-third of the way through the through the year. What does he do? He sends two field goals and the win in the rain right down the middle, including the game winner. And you're saying, oh, well, they only 20-something yards and 33 yards. I don't care how long they were. Just ask Aldrick Rosas or Cody Parkey, both of whom who were seasoned veterans in the NFL, and both of whom are back selling insurance or whatever the hell they, they're going to do now. Neither one, I think, are going to get another chance unless there are a ton more injuries in the NFL. I think the game ball has got to go to Demario Davis. Seahawks simply couldn't run into the teeth of this defense, and he was right in the middle of it. Lord knows they tried. And they tried, and they tried, and they tried. You know how we all text LOL all the time, things that aren't really that funny, but it's just a response, LOL. 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 But I really LOL'd for real when Davis shoved Kyle Fuller into Alex Collins for a two-yard loss. He made life miserable for Geno Smith and Pete Carroll last night. There simply was, was no game plan that was going to work against him on Monday night. And then post-game, this, this, made it, this was enough for me. He tells this to ESPN's Lisa Salters. Roll the tape. We can't give up nothing. We get the ball back to back to two in the offense. We know they're gonna take care of business, and we're gonna play. You know, we're gonna do what we do. It wasn't pretty. What does this win say about this team? Same thing that all of them say. When you when you go against who that nation, you gotta bring your hard hat. It's gonna get real inside them. This our type of atmosphere. Rain, grit, grind. You know, they were trying to do a little talking here and there. We, we was like play between the whistles. Play between the play, play between the whistles. You know. Talking to Jimmy Jabba, we, we bring our hard hat when the play starts and when the play finishes. You know, to come into this place, a hostile environment, going against a great team like that, fundamentally sound, it says a lot about this team. Thanks, Samaria. Thank Good you. Luck. Rain, grit, grime. We ain't going to do any talking. We don't need to talk. We got our hard hats on. Indeed, they did. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that, you know, you got a lot of Saints fans out there who are like, uh, it was ugly. I don't know about this team. I don't know. How are we going to beat Tampa Bay? I'm more encouraged about the Saints team after this win than in any of the other three victories this season. Before you say, whoa, wait a minute there, genius. The Saints whooped up on the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, who cares? Weird stuff happens in week one. And all the crap with Aaron Rodgers in the offseason clearly paid a part in that one. Saints got on a roll. Some weird plays early in the second half changed the course of what could have been a close game and turned it into a blowout. The New England game was a solid effort. The Saints never really faced adversity in that one. I'm not, I, I was not impressed with the offensive game plan. Whoa, dummy. 
They only scored 13 points Monday night. How are you impressed with that offensive game plan? Yeah, I'm getting to that, all right? Calm down there, Drunk Joe. In Washington, that is an awful football team. You see what I did there, football team? In playing in Landover, it doesn't exactly strike fear in the hearts of the opponent, does it? You know, honestly, I didn't think any phase of the team played all that well in Washington. In playing a better team, I mean, it could have resulted in a different outcome for sure. So that brings me to Monday and why I think it was the best Saints effort overall the season. I thought the coaching was outstanding. I thought Jameis Winston made a huge leap forward in his decision-making. I thought Traquan Smith shouldn't have been on the field and cost the Saints multiple scoring chances. He clearly wasn't prepared and shouldn't have been there. Winston's numbers were obviously less than eye-opening. 19 for 35, 222 yards, and the one touchdown to Camaro. On that scoring play, though, he easily could have given up on the play after he dropped the football. Instead, he kept his cool. He found AK for the score. He dropped long dimes to Kevin White and Kenny Stills that would drop. He threw a perfect pass to Traquan Smith in which Traquan stopped running the route. He threw a, the ball at Kamara's feet shortly before the winning field goal when the old Jameis likely would have tried to do something he can't do. And I absolutely loved the fire and the intensity and the leadership he showed on the sideline, getting in Traquan Smith's face right next to Sean Payton, who listened in and obviously agreed with his quarterback and allowed him to do what leaders do. You're my quarterback. You're my captain. Do what you got to do. It wasn't the way Drew Brees would have handled it, obviously, but Jameis Winston isn't Drew Brees, and he showed that he's no longer trying to be Drew Brees. I loved it. The Saints played throughout a bomb cyclone, whatever the hell that is, and had just one turnover that had nothing to do with the rain. And let me digress for a second. I mean, just give me a minute. Get out of here with the bomb cyclone. You know what that looks like to me? It looks like a regular November day in New Orleans. Is this just something the media makes up to sensationalize weather again? Just like they name every storm that stirs up these days. It ticks me off. Really, it does. Oh, tropical storm Josephine is in the Atlantic stirring up the fish. It has 42 mile an hour winds and it's going to fizzle out tomorrow. But by God, we're going to name it. I would hate to be a yellowfin tuna out there with that monster coming. Bomb cyclone. It rains every day in Seattle, for Christ's sake. Big deal. I mean, we have storms that force you to live in a tent for six months. Talk to me about a bomb cyclone when Jeff Bezos is forced to evacuate to Idaho for a week. All right, back to football, right? A couple of weeks ago, I think it was when Doug Mouton was in the show, I said this team reminded me a bit of Jim Morris' teams in the late 1980s and 1990s. You know, a great defense and a quarterback who could make plays at the same time as they looked like a couillon later on in that same game. There's a big difference, though, between Jameis Winston and Bobby Hebert. Jameis Winston has Sean Payton. I've said this many times before, but Payton absolutely loves a challenge, and he's taking this one head on. In just a couple of months, Winston looks like a quarterback who, if he keeps improving, could actually bring this team somewhere. 
So think about when Mike Thomas, Deontay Harris, and Taysom Hill come back. Think about if Traquan Smith can ever stay healthy and get his head out of his keister and figure out what he's doing and become a real part of this offense. Think about if Alvin Kamara and the offensive line stay healthy. Yes, my friends, this team might just be better than who I thought they were. We'll certainly find out soon with Tampa Bay coming into the Dome for a spectacular game this Sunday in the Caesars Superdome. And that's my dime. Look, we're going to do what good teams do. We'll enjoy the victory for 24 hours, and then we're going to look ahead to the Vaughn Bucks. Maybe I'll offer a little sneak preview. I think the Saints matchup as well with Tampa is just about anyone. Tom Brady coming off a high in which he tossed his 600 touchdown pass. Way to go, Mike Evans. And no one in America thinks that Brady can do any wrong. Aunt Mabel, drunk Joe, they're all betting on Tampa Bay. We'll see. Now I have a feeling that Raucous Dome is going to give the Saints a chance. I think Jameis is really looking forward to playing his old team and whether that means he tries to do too much or if he's as focused as he's ever been, it's going to make all the difference in the world. We'll see if the defense can have, keep up this incredible effort. That's coming up. We'll talk more about that later in the week. But, you know, I do want to give you a reminder that tomorrow we'll have our regular Wednesday episode of Datitude. We don't, we're not talking about a whole lot about St. Seattle or even St. Tampa Bay because – I was absolutely honored to spend an hour with retiring president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, David Baker. I recorded the interview Monday, but it was such a great conversation. I did not want to take away from who that's, you know, Saints play in Seattle. You don't want to listen to other interviews that aren't about St. Seattle. So we spent about an hour talking to David Baker about New Orleans, the Bensons, and potential former Saints not named Drew Brees who could possibly wear a gold jacket someday. So we're going to devote all of tomorrow's show to that. The great former commissioner of the Arena Football League, who I was lucky enough to get to know a little bit when I was covering the voodoo in the AFL for five years. Um, he told me that I was the first person he gave an interview to when he left the AFL for the Pro, Bo- Pro Football Hall of Fame and I'm the first he talks to when he retired, so I'm truly honored for that, for sure. So that will be tomorrow. Make sure you come back. Here's your reminder that you can reach me at jderry@theadvocate.com and at Jim Derry Jr. on Twitter. If you would like to be a part of this show in any way, comment, question for any of my upcoming guests, um, feel free to email me or tweet at me, or if you just want to follow me and... Uh, hear some of the dumb things I have to say on social media. Nah, I don't say too much stupid stuff on social media. I save that for when the microphone's off and uh, my fingers aren't on the keyboard. You can listen to this podcast in multiple places, wherever you're listening now, and on bet.nola.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Wherever else you get your podcast, make sure to subscribe, search for the Datitude Podcast, Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And, of course, this special Tuesday edition because the Saints played on Monday night. Um, when the Saints play on weird days, we'll figure out where to go with Datitude on those days. I want to give a shout-out to Caesar Sportsbook, who is an exclusive partner with us at the Avic Times, Picune, and bet.nola.com. We've talked about it several times, but, um, you know, the Harris Sportsbook, among other places across the state, are going to have their sportsbook soon. 
supposedly as early as November 1st. We'll see. But one promotion we have at bet.nola.com is if you sign up for the app, which is already available, it won't, you won't be able to bet on it until somewhere around Christmas. But if you sign up early, sign up now through us at NOLA.com, NOLA.com slash Caesars, C-A-E-S-A-R-S, NOLA.com slash Caesars, you will get a $100 free bet when the app comes online. Again, that's coming within the next couple months. So check it out, NOLA.com slash Caesars. The videos on, videos on bet.NOLA.com Three of them each week. Odds and ends on Monday with Zach, Devin Jackson, and myself, where we go over all the bets that we talked about making the Thursday before, and we take a look uh, at what's coming up this week. We never even talked about baseball. The World Series is starting tonight. And we never even talked about the Pelicans. Oh, my God, the Pelicans won a, a basketball game. In case you didn't notice, they are 1-3. They are no longer winless. So the Saints and the Pelicans won on Monday night. How many times has that happened? I'm not going to look at that up, but you can figure it out for yourself. But uh, Fantasy Roundup on Tuesdays with Zach and Spencer, the guru, Urquhart, and at the book featuring Cashing In with Carville, James Carville. What a character that guy is. Every Thursday we have him, and that show is hosted by Zach, Devin, and myself. Um, it's a fun show. We talk about our bets for the weekend. We sort of compete with Carville. I was 5-3 and three in my picks against him this week. Um, I don't think he had a very good week. We also have a, a little contest that you can compete against James Carville for prizes each month. If you beat him each month, you get a prize. He didn't beat anybody in September, and I think just about everybody's beaten him in October. So November's coming up. you still got time to get in on the, those things. But let's get back to the victory and reach out to Doug Mouton. He didn't travel to Seattle, and we're happy to bring him in from his home in Mandeville, just a few miles away from me. Um, he was up late last night like I was, so we both got our coffees. Let's get to it. Welcoming in WWL-TV, say that five times fast, sports director Doug Mouton, the Datitude podcast. And um, I still can't it, – it's, 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 it's rough today – you and I both stayed up late working last night, even though we weren't in Seattle, we were at our homes. But um, it, it's just, I keep calling today Monday. You? <laughs> yeah, of course, yes. Although I got to say, it's easier for me working on the commentary on a Monday night. Sunday nights we do fourth down on four, so it's such a crazy day. At least I felt it was a little easier day on a Monday. So I'd like, I'm going through my commentary last night, although I was still up till four o'clock. And I'm still not done, not even close. And, and, and it's easier when they win because you and I are humans and we grew up in this lovely city. So um, we can say we don't root for anybody all we want, but we both root for the Saints. It, not only does it make our personal lives much better on the next day, it makes work a lot easier. Yeah, and look, I have one rule from growing up in the 70s when football was horrible. And look, I know it was an ugly win in Seattle, but if you're going to get mad when they lose, you have to be happy when they win. 
You have to be. You 100%. can't find negatives in a win because for the first 15 years of my life, you only got about four <laughs> wins a year. So if you can't be happy uh, four times a year, you got you got trouble. So that's my rule. You got to find positives in a win. You know, the 30-somethings and under are so spoiled. I talk it's about this a lot. 40-somethings and under. That's it's true. The, it, We're it old. is. It's the Jim Mora era. I know. I know. I guess if you think about it, you're right. So from 80, you know, from 86 on. Well, 80, from about 80 on, they were real. 87 on. was the magic year. You're right. From about 86 on, they've been good. So if you were born yeah, so if you were in, 40, if you're 40, that means you were born in, in 81, which means you were like seven years old when they started getting good. And you don't you remember know. that. That's right. Man. All that you is, know that is that sad. The Saints are good. Right. They're not jaded and beaten like me and you. I mean, growing up in Archie Manning, getting pounded into the ugly, green, foamy Superdome turf. And even before that, I think, you know, I barely remember this, but um, I have very vague memories of Tulane Stadium. The one I remember the most is my dad took me to, we played the 49ers, so it's probably like 74-ish. I was probably like six six years old, I guess. Um, and it was, the the thing that I remember most is it was, absolutely freezing cold at the top of Tulane Stadium. And we were getting our butts handed to us as we usually did. And uh, I was miserable. I'm like, Dad, can we go home now? You know, so. But look, Jim, there was one year when the first game of the season, the Saints lost 62 to 7. 62 <laughs> right to, to the 7 Falcons. in the opener. Try being optimistic after that. To the Falcons, nonetheless. To the Falcons. And then Butler got the touchdown when it was 55 to nothing, I think. So, yeah, that's uh, so that's how we started. What about the Erkslaven game? And I think it was at 78 or 79. 79, I said to be 79. Whether the the ball. Yeah, but at least they were in that game. But yes, you're right. It's just, yeah, so much badness all rolled into one childhood. Well, they can't see us, but I have my, I'm holding up my Starbucks. uh, but again, it is much easier to work on a Tuesday morning uh, than it is um, working when the Saints, would, if they would have lost that game. Breaking news, um, I mentioned it a little bit before you came in, but uh, looks like Brian Johnson, that good game, I, I hope he can continue it because he's probably going to be the Saints kicker for the rest of the season. Now that it's been announced by Bleacher Report, and and you and I talked about before we went on the air, they're about 99.5% accurate if, they're aggregating stuff. So if they reported that he's out for the season, it's probably true. So no Will Lutz this year. Yeah, that, that is rough. I mean, look, Will Lutz, fifth most accurate kicker in NFL history. But look, Brian Johnson, and it's one of the pieces of my commentary. Look, I know it's a 33-yard game winner. I get that. NFL kickers should make 33-yarders. High school kickers should often make 33 yards, but you're talking about in the rain, in the wet, in a really hostile environment, in your first NFL game with the game on the line, and it and it went right between the uprights. It was perfect and easy the way it should be. Um, he's got a shot to be pretty good. Look, Seattle's kicker who lives there missed twice, and Brian Johnson got two shots, hit them both. You can't ask for more than that. <laughs> it's a spectacular start to an NFL career. And, yeah, it, it looks like we're, we're riding the Brian Johnston train for a while. And Aldrich Rosas and Cody Parkey missed a combined four extra points, which is the same distance as the 33-yard game winner. And their game wasn't on the line when they missed those kicks. So you got to feel good for a kid who was kicking at Virginia Tech last year. Yeah, look, and, and 
it's the it's the beautiful romantic quality of sports. Yeah, the kids first game in the wet, you know, national TV, all of that makes it. So yeah, so so you've you've got a kicker. You hope you can ride him for a while. But game number one, uh, the kid was great. And look, Blake Gillikin put four punts inside the yes, inside did. the twenty. Look, spe- special teams have been terrific all year. They were terrific again, and in a game when you couldn't find a lot of offense. Um, Brian Johnson and Blake Gillikin and the special teams were a huge piece of the win. Here's my number one question for you. Not about the Saints win. What the hell is a bomb cyclone? Oh, I'd never heard that either. Like, literally, I thought, I thought, first of all, I thought it was a joke when somebody said that. Then I thought, wait, is this something real, like a terrorist kind of thing? No, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's a regular November day in New Orleans is what it is. <laughs> No, no I, I went and asked Alexander Cranford. No kidding. I went Sunday and I was like, Alexander, I want to say that the weather's going to be bad. Can you look up Seattle and tell, and this is not on the air. This is, right, you know, right. two hours before. And she said, she said, well, Doug, the rain accumulations, it might be, you know, by our standards, it's not a lot. It might be like a half an inch. I'm like, what are you talking about? How is that a bomb cyclone? Exactly. It's like a half an inch of rain and 15 mile an hour winds. It's, uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't Ooh, know. I, I guess. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I said, Doug, in my, in my commentary? I'm like, we got, when we have a, a real storm, we got people living in tents for six months. I mean, right. they're like just, they're like, oh my God. We might have some flooding. <laughs> we got flooding every other day. I mean, it, we, it might flood tomorrow. Oh, my God, dust in the 20s. <laughs> I mean, ooh. I mean, it, you know, just circle it on the weather map and uh, be, be careful, guys. It might rain. Well, you You're know right. what? I think the weather actually worked out in the Saints' favor because that defense is so super nasty, and Demario Davis was a monster last night. Demario Davis was super and. You, you try to come up with who was better, Demario Davis and Alvin Kamara, and it's you could literally flip a coin because the two of them, I always say, I, what I would call it is it, that's all pro good. Like that's the best oh, at your position 100%. in the NFL good. Not just pro bowl good, but all pro good. Um, Demario Davis hasn't gotten that recognition in his career, but there's literally, there's literally no linebacker in the NFL that is better than him. Um, at the at the best, you could put someone else in his class. But last night, there was nobody in his class. And Alvin Kamara, for what he did for that offense, and I'm sure you're going to want to talk about that, but he, uh, Kamara and Demario Davis, the two of them, just absurd in how good they were. Did you laugh at the TV when he bowled over the center and knocked oh. the center into Alex Collins and for a two-yard? I mean, he doesn't even touch Collins. He just knocks the center into the running back and tackles him that way. It was unbelievable. And the sack that he gets when he loops all the way around the right tackle and comes around to get Geno Smith, who was rolling the other way, and he closes on him with unbelievable speed. At his age, he's supposed to be declining as a linebacker, and he's getting better in that. And he, yeah, he was, there's no words to say how good he was because, look, there was a game in the, in the Saints in the Jim Mora era. It was a Minnesota game where Sam Mills had like 23 tackles. And it was the one game that I can remember a linebacker dominating a game like I had never seen. And it was Sam Mills. And last night rivaled the Sam Mills Minnesota game. And I don't remember what year that was. 
But it for me, it rivaled that. He was so dominant and so everywhere. It reminded me of that Sam Mills game. Yeah, I, I uh, said that um, in the commentary that I thought it was his best game as a Saint, and that's saying something because he's yeah, had right. some really good games. And I agree with you 100%. I mean, to me, that's the kind of game when you start doing all pro, when you're looking to figure out who's all pro, you take out that tape and you're like, Hmm, has anyone played better than this? I don't think so. Yeah, and, and the answer would be no. And the good thing is for him and for Kamara, they both put that tape out there on a national TV game that I'm guessing because it was close, it did big numbers. I'm guessing there were a lot. I mean, it was a fun game, even though it was low it scoring. Was. I found it really entertaining. So I'm guessing it did a big national number. I haven't seen that yet. And so so I'm glad for them because they, they should be recognized because anybody watching that game um, – I saw Ryan Clark on ESPN app. Yeah, I was going to say. Talk about, right. Actually, you say that, and it's funny you say that, because I, I actually recorded it, and I'm going to play that at the before I get off the air in, on the show. Because for people who didn't hear what Ryan Clark, by the way, a, a, a Shaw grad, by the way, I'm just saying that. I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. He went to Shaw. I mean, I know he went to LSU, too, but he went to Shaw. Okay. Hey, he's awesome on TV, too. He's, he's he, really good. He's, he referred to Demario Davis as a lion or a cheetah. And, yeah. And Alex Collins was the gazelle. Right. And, and they don't tell. <laughs> he doesn't listen to Snoop and, uh, in that voice. Yeah, and yeah. That, that, that Alex Collins is the gazelle. You're going to get eaten. Get yeah. out of the way. <laughs> It right. was outstanding. So it was play really that for good. you later. It was really good. But you talk about Alvin Kamara. Look, I want to say this before we, we move on and talk about the offense. I might, I know there, there are going to be Saints fans like in the old days. Remember when the Saints finally started winning? Like we talked about us growing up and watching crappy teams over and over and over every week for, for well over a decade until you and I were probably out of our teen years, really. And yeah, I was because I'm a little older than you, yeah. So, yeah, I was like 19 when, or 20 when they finally started getting good. But the, the point is, there was a point in the Mora days when people would start complaining about ugly wins, okay? And, right. I, and I bet there are Saints fans who still miss Drew Brees. I get it. Um, and are probably complaining about last night. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make a case for you. I don't think you're going to agree with me, but it's okay. I'm going to make a case that last night to me was the most impressive victory of the season. I get they beat Green Bay. They romped on Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers coming off that weird offseason. Who knows what the heck's going on. I get that they beat up in New England. Uh, it's not an easy place to win. Bill Belichick is who he is. But to me last night, the Saints gritted out something. Uh, the defense was – Dennis Allen was on – I mean, he was on the case last night. He had a perfect game plan. Not only did he have a perfect game plan, he came out in the second half, made adjustments that he, they were even better in the second half. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so to me, I think you'd make a, they go all the way to Seattle, and they're playing Tampa Bay this week, which means that they spent a lot of time this week probably working on Tampa Bay after having a whole week off. They got to go all the way to Seattle. There were tons of issues with travel, and yet they find a way to win. And I thought Jameis Winston was – was very good. I'm not going to say outstanding. That'd be a little bit too too strong. But I thought he was very good, and his numbers could have been a lot better. Had Traquan run the right route, had Kevin White not dropped the ball, had Kenny Stills not dropped the ball, and those were on back-to-back plays. Those hurt. And he, and he made good decisions. He threw the ball away when he had to. And he only took two sacks. In the last one, who cares? You're you're in easy field goal range. 
instead right. of throwing the ball the way he took a six-yard loss. Who cares? Is now it's a yeah, which I thought was the right decision at the time too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and look, Jameis ran for four first downs, which was huge in this game. Um, look, from an offensive standpoint, and 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 I. My commentary, I call it four takeaways. I, I, I wanted to put one in. If you want to look at the downside, this game exposed your lack of offensive weapons in a crazy – all you had was Alvin Kamara and literally nobody else, and that was exposed in a big way. Now, your two most productive guys other than Kamara this year have been Deontay Harris – and Taysom Hill, and you didn't have either one of them, and you still don't have Mike Thomas. So the burden on Kamara was enormous, and you still found a way to get it done. Look, you don't want to have to give Alvin Kamara the ball 30 times. But, look, if you look at it from Sean Payton's standpoint, if Sean Payton's calling the next play, the best option is always going to be get it to Alvin Kamara. Now, if you go with that theory, Alvin Kamara is going to get the ball 72 times in a right. game. Because right. he's always going to be the best option. But in, the, in this case, Kamara took it 30 times, took the beating. He needed to, every one of those. Jameis needed to run the four times. Look, the one, the, the, the two deep ones to Stills and Kevin White were beautiful balls that should have been Perfect. caught. The one he missed on, which really hurt, was the potential touchdown to Callaway that he didn't get it over the linebacker. He had Callaway in the back of the end zone. And in fact, it's one of the things he talked about the week leading up was putting more touch on the intermediate passes, and he ripped it, which kept it a little lower, which allowed it to be batted away. So that was the one that he missed on. But, yeah, I thought he was terrific. Look, in six games, Jameis Winston has four turnovers. You talk about the year when he had more than two a game. He's averaging two-thirds of a turnover a game. He does that the whole year. The Saints are going to win a lot of games. He's doing exactly what Sean Payton wants him to do right now. Uh, Doug Mouton of Sports Director of Channel 4 here with us on the Datitude podcast. And, um, you know, I, I thought the offensive game plan was vanilla in a sense, but that's what they wanted it to be. They're not going to show Tampa Bay anything. And let me tell you something. Those deep balls, they'll be caught next week, and they're going to throw a ton of them, ton of them against a really bad Tampa Bay secondary. Well, look, the, the Saints, this game, and it looks like Mike Thomas won't be ready again for Tampa, which stinks, because if this team ever needed the one big weapon, it's him. Yeah, look, those balls are going to get caught most of the time, and you, you got to get that done. I mean, there's there's no excuse for Look, I know they're tough plays, but you do two of them on back-to-back plays, you can't make either one. Um, you're going to have to – look, hit <laughs> – Look at statistically, the Saints lost the turnover battle. They had 90 yards in penalties, and they were 2 of 13 on third down, and they won. Talk about grinding it out and fighting it out, but that's how good the defense was. And look, the one guy on defense that I want to mention was Marcus Davenport and what a difference he made, and it was huge. You could see it in the pass rush, and it's not just what he does. In the final drive, and and Ryan Clark showed this vividly, Yes, Cam, yeah, Cam Jordan was terrific. But Davenport occupied two blockers, which allowed Malcolm Jenkins to come around the outside and get the sack, which the second sack with DeMario Davis was the more fun one. But the first sack to kill all their momentum in that final drive was probably bigger. And that was Davenport occupying two guys to let Jenkins get the easy sack. Davenport's addition was huge. Um, you're going to keep getting more guys back. 
Um, Anya Mata this week. Anya Mata this week, who, who is going to make an enormous difference because the one thing you haven't had is an inside push. Um, look, I, I said it last time I was on the, the Datitude podcast. I like this team more than most people, and I, and I love their chances to keep getting better. The team you saw last night is not going to be the team you see in four weeks. Well, hopefully on defense it is, but on offense you should be better in four weeks when you know Mike Thomas is back and you should get Deontay Harris and Taysom Hill back. And then you've got a few weapons. Saints played with no weapons other than Alvin Kamara and other than Jameis Winston running, and they still got it done. You know, I'm coming around, Doug. Uh, I thought this was a nine-ish win team uh, going into the season. Um, but if you would have told me they're going to be four and two at this point, I 100% would have taken it. Um, I think I looked at the schedule, and it doesn't matter how you get there. You lose to the Giants, yeah, you should be five and one. Um, but no one really expected them to beat Green Bay in the opener. You could have easily seen them lose at New England. And going at Seattle, I don't care whether who it is. I don't care who's playing quarterback. When you start marking up wins and losses before the season, I had them three and three right now. And the fact that they're one game ahead of schedule means now i got to say that this is a 10-win team. And if they keep improving, maybe they're an 11-win team. Yeah, look, and, and it, it's, you know, they catch Seattle, it's lucky. They catch him without Russell Wilson. That's, but it's also bad luck that they're still missing Mike Thomas and Taysom Hill and Deontay. Hatch. Look, I mean, the injuries happen. And you play them as they come. And I think the Saints are in terrific shape right now. Look, the Tampa game is going to be rough. But I love this team getting better. And you don't win any kind of trophies for being good in September or October. And this team has a chance to keep ramping up and get better. Um, I like what I've seen in Jameis, and obviously the defense is going to keep you in every game. If Marcus Williams makes the tackle, not Lattimore falling on the DK Metcalf touchdown, if Marcus Williams makes the tackle at midfield, they might give up three points all game. And that's how good they were. Yeah, shades of Minnesota. Yeah, that, that, that was poor. But look, other than that play, Lattimore and Marshawn Lattimore were terrific. Lattimore, other than the personal fouls. How does he get but, drawn into those stupid fouls? I mean, look, I had a friend texting me last night, and he's like, super, super homer, okay? And he's like, talking so bad about DK. I'm like, DK Metcalf's doing what, what he's supposed to do. He's trying to draw him in. He's getting, uh -huh. you know, he's got his hands all over his face. I'm like, yeah, but they're not going to call that, okay? They're not right. going to call that an offensive player unless he actually grabs it and pulls it. He was, right. he was grabbing on it, but he wasn't pulling it, and he was just trying to piss him off, and it worked, and he got 15 yards out of the deal. If you're Lattimore, who I think is one of the top three or four cornerbacks in the NFL, you can't fall for that kind of crap. Oh, no. And, look, DK Metcalf caught one pass for 12 yards other than that 84-yarder all game. He caught one ball after that. Uh, the Saints did a terrific job on him. Yeah, look, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson could write a book on getting inside of people's heads. Like, that's part of football. And, yeah, I was a little surprised that Lattimore, who's, you know, the calmest guy with us that you'll ever see. Right. He's almost too calm. You want to wake him up during interviews. Um, right. I'm a little surprised that he kept consistently getting so mad. But every time he gets a personal foul, Metcalf wins that battle. But, look, the bottom line is Metcalf wasn't hurting you with the ball other than the big play. So you expect, it, it wound up being a win for the Saints for three and a half quarters. You expect C.D. Deuce to do that, but you don't expect Marshawn Lattimore to do it. Right, I mean, well, you'd expect, you'd expect Gardner-Johnson to do you're it not in a call way where he's the guy getting the first shot 
and the flag. That's what he's good at. That's the guy who wins, the guy who gets under the skin and gets the flag. And look, Metcalf's a spectacular player. He's he's a an elite NFL wide receiver. Caught two passes. I refuse to go until he goes through a whole season without doing something really dumb. I refuse to call him by his real name. I'm calling him CD Deuce until the season. If he goes through a whole season and he shows that he's matured a little bit and doesn't cost the Saints a victory, then I'll call him by what his mama calls him. Otherwise, I'm okay. calling him CD. Um, and Marshawn Lattimore, real quick, you know, I think just a really smart cornerback. I mean, he's not just a great cornerback. He's smart in the way he runs his routes, and you could tell that he knows. I mean, he knows as much or more than anyone. I thought, you know, he reminds me in the way that he plays, not so much with his flair or anything like that, but Deion Sanders was the smartest cornerback I've ever seen, okay? Yeah. And, and to me, he reminds me a little bit of that in the way that he kind of functions his routes and, and, cover, and covers. But last night, he did one of the dumbest things. That, the dumbest things you can do in football. Try to punch a guy in his helmet. Okay. So, uh, my, my Homer friend had a great idea and we could say this on the data two podcast. You can't say this on channel four, but he's got a great idea. If you try to do punch a guy in the helmet, then the other guy gets to try to punch you in the junk. I mean, <laughs> what, what do you think? What do you think of this idea? Because I think, I think, look, this, this guy I'm talking about, he, the Homer, he has a good idea like once every five years. And, I, and I, I think I laughed at my phone for about five minutes. I'm like, this is perfect. If you do something that stupid, then the other yeah. guy gets to punch you in, in the cup. Well, look, that's look, everyone knows helmet punching is the dumbest thing on earth. That's how you have absolutely gotten into somebody's head. When you can make them resort to the helmet punch, which they know <laughs> is a lose-lose problem. If I can make you helmet punch, that's like a 48 to nothing win because you know the helmet punch is stupid. There's no and doubt. You and you do it anyway. You're that man. And next year at the Donzi Rainey League draft, since I finished in first and you finished in last, I'm going to put on a helmet and I'm going to let you punch <laughs> me as hard as you can. I'm going to stand there and I'm going to take it like a man. You punch right. me with my, with my helmet on as hard as you can. Nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and right. I wonder who's going to win that. <laughs> it ain't going to be you. Uh, look, no, I'm from the West Bank. I got a hard good. head anyway. So uh, it wouldn't be the yeah, first right. If I didn't have a helmet on, it wouldn't be the first time I got punched in the head. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, let's talk about the, the future a little bit, and especially the immediate future. And we touched on it. Tampa Bay coming into the Dome on a Halloween Sunday where the Dome foam will be a flowing and the crowd <laughs> will be wearing or in costumes of Lord knows what. And um, I, I got to say, I know this is silly, and, and I, people aren't used to this because I'm Derry Downer, but I like the Saints' chances in this one because I think the Saints match up well with Tampa Bay, and they, they've kind of shown it. And I know it's not Drew Brees, it's Seamus Winston. But with this defense, they're going to have a hard time. Fournette's not going to run the ball easy, and they're really good at frustrating the hell out of Tam, Tom Brady. Yeah, no doubt. Getting on your mind back helps. Look, I'll tell you, the, the one thing I'm watching this week is who's coming back. You've got to get Kamara some help. I'm hoping Deontay Harris slash Taysom Hill can come back and play. You've got to be able to get the ball to somebody else reliable. Um, it, it, look, if you watch Tom Brady this year, he's when the Saints played Tampa last year and beat them twice, they were still sort of figuring out who they were with Tom Brady. Obviously, they figured that out by the end. And in the playoffs, once the once they got ahead, 
Once the Saints got behind, they couldn't throw the ball, and it was over. Jared Cook. Yeah, right. No question. Look, I think I think Tampa's going to score some points. I don't know if they're going to score a lot, but they're going to score some. And that defense is pretty good. They're not great, but they can be pretty good. You got to find somebody who can take the ball besides Alvin Kamara. You, you have to find some reliable weapon where Kamara doesn't have to take it thirty times um, to do something, take a little pressure off of him. And unless Deontay Harris or Taysom Hill come back, it doesn't look like you're going to have Mike Thomas for this one. That's the part that worries me. I certainly think the Saints are in it. I certainly think they have a chance. The defense is going to keep them in it. But man, you got to find somebody behind Alvin Kamara to do something. You will see Lamar Miller playing on Sunday. And I know he's old. And I know he's not going to get you 60 yards rushing. But he will do it. I think he could come in and do enough. But the thing to me is, and I mean, you talk about the playoff game and the same, them figuring, you know, Tampa Bay figuring out, what did we play in, the, in Tampa Bay? Was it like week nine or 10 or something like that? I mean, yeah, yeah. If Tom Brady 10 weeks, I, I don't, I don't want to hear any excuses. This, oh, no, I'm not making cool. the living the hell out of them in Tampa Bay. Yeah, and the Saints beat him up front. The defensive line was unbelievable in that game, and I do think you can pressure Tom Brady. And, and look, it was Janoris Jenkins with the interception yes. in the opener last year. That was the huge play, and it was him baiting Tom Brady. Like, Tom Brady can't be baited and intercepted. He could be, and he was. Um, no, the Saints did a terrific job against him, and, and consider that they couldn't throw the ball downfield to even be in the game in the fourth quarter in the playoffs it was – was impressive in that sense without the ability to throw a forward pass. Now the saints can play with these guys. There's no question about it, but Alvin Kamara can't keep getting it 30 times a game. He just can't. You're not going to have Kamara uh, for, for this season. If he keeps getting it 30 times a game. It reminds me of Rocky four. He's human. He's a man. Be more man than him. Be more man than him. Tom Brady is a human. I mean, yeah, no question. He, he, you call him the goat all you want, but he's a human. He bleeds right. like you and I do. Um, and he loses a few games every year. 100% on his own yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, he's not. He's far from unbeatable. Saints beat him twice last year. You know, and, and people forget. what I think Tampa Bay had, what, three turn, two or three turnovers in the playoff game. If Jared Cook doesn't fumble the football, <laughs> you cannot convince me that the Saints don't win that game. I know they lost by 10, but that changed the entire complexion of that game. Saints oh, were yeah. going well, down they, to, well, to take the lead on that drive. And it would have been all she wrote for Tampa Bay because the, the defense was doing what the defense does. I don't care what anybody right. says. Right. So I'll blame no on ability to throw a forward pass. Once the Saints got behind, it was done. No. And I agree. Jared Cook doesn't fumble, you may have never gotten behind. I, I agree. But, you know, that, that's neither here nor there. Um, right. They lost. Although I will say this. I will say this. I don't think last year's team was a Super Bowl team. Oh, no. I they think would have lost in Green Bay. Playoffs, in the next round of the playoffs, as soon as they got behind, they 100%. weren't going to be able to catch up. They were, they, uh, they, it was going to bite them at the inability to throw the ball more than eight yards downfield was going to bite them at some point. No, it's not It's not like the Minnesota or, or the Rams debacles where I think both of those teams would have won the Super Bowl. Had, had they won well, 18, the Minnesota? 18, for sure. The Rams game, yeah, the, they beat the Rams and they're – 98% beat New England in the championship yeah. game uh, in the Super Bowl. There's no doubt in my mind. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. Last year they, they beat Tampa Bay. They lose in Green Bay. It is what it is. Um, right. Doug Mouton here on the Datitude Podcast. 
Doug, um, we talked, you talked about it. You were high on the, higher on the saints than most people were before the season started. Where are you now? As far as like, look, there, there's no doubt this team has to win. If you want to win the NFC South for the fifth straight year, you got to be Tampa Bay twice. It, it, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. They're not going to lose more than five games. So if you beat them twice, that's three and you got to find, hope they lose two more. So you got to beat them twice. Where do you stand on their chances of winning the division again? Oh, I, I, I don't give them a great chance to win the division right now. Look, when I say it was higher than most people, everybody was, everybody who covers the Saints, um, Jeff Duncan did the survey of 30-something people, and most were around 500. And I thought they were better than that. I said this is absolutely a playoff team. Tampa's doing a lot of things well. They're not going to lose many games, no matter if the Saints beat them or not. The one thing the Saints have to find is somebody else on offense until Mike Thomas actually runs onto the field and catches a pass. Um, I, I got to see him actually on the field before I start counting on Mike Thomas. And I do think he can change things. I think this team has a chance to keep getting better. I absolutely think they're a playoff team right now. That's where I am now. I thought that at the beginning. I still think that. I think they're a playoff team with a chance to continue getting better. Can they win the South? Look, we're going to know a lot on Sunday. Um, If you want to win the South, you almost have to win Sunday because it's going to get harder to win in Tampa. And if you fall another game behind them, obviously that that gets harder. So if you want to win the division, you probably have to win Sunday. I I certainly give the Saints a chance, but they're not going to be fully healthy yet, not even close um, without Mike Thomas because I think he's that big of a difference. So, So for now, I don't know. I know they're a playoff team. I don't know how good of a playoff team yet. That part I know. And, and as far as be like a Super Bowl team, they don't look like that yet. No. Not that they can't start getting there because they've shown a lot of nice signs and that defense is terrific. I'm not there with them yet, but I am there with them that they're better than people thought at the beginning. They're definitely a playoff team with a chance, with a better chance to keep getting better than to, than to go downhill from that. Yeah. Does I, that make sense? Yeah. hundred percent. I pretty much agree with you about 90% there. Um, I don't think they're a Super Bowl team either. I mean, it, it's fun to think about and talk about, but who knows? Look, Sean Payton to me, Outside of the Giants game, which he absolutely stunk up the joint, and I'm sure if you were sitting down drinking a beer with you, he would tell you the same. Um, no doubt. It, it was awful. That was the maybe the worst coaching performance that he's ever had. But outside of I that. I say, Sean Payton has one of those a year. He has a bad game, and that, that was it. I mean, maybe on an average, one like that a year. But, yeah, that was not Payton's best game. And I'm, I'm a huge Sean Payton fan. I think he's as good as there is. But that was not his best game. Not, not by a long shot. Well, he's the best coach in, in team history. Um, well, no I, question but, but I guess if you, you know, Jim Mora was, was great. And, um, but I don't know. To me, he's doing his, one of his better jobs because again, and and there are people that are Jameis haters, and no matter what he does, he's never going to be good yeah. enough. Because it's it's like it's not it's like you know you're with somebody for ten years, and the next person you date is never going to be the person that you're. With. <laughs> you know it, 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 that's kind of what it is. It was fifteen years. In this so so no matter what, but I think that it, seriously, and I I keep saying this because it's true, and I want to pound this into people's heads. The improvement that Jameis Winston has shown from week one to last yeah. night, if you just forget the numbers, throw the stats out the window. You and I are both stats guys. 
but that's for fantasy football and fantasy baseball. It's not for real football. Forget the stats. Use the eye test from game one, which he threw five touchdown passes, and I thought he was not good, um, to last night when he threw one touchdown pass, and I thought he was way better than average and uh, making great decisions. And I just loved when he got in Traquan Smith's face, Sean Payton looking over his shoulder and saying, you go for it. This is your team. You say what you got to say and do it the way you got to do it. Yeah, and look, that's that is what the Saints need out of him. That's a growth. That is an ownership that is one hundred percent positive. You want him getting angry when people are not doing the right things because you want them to snap into place. Yeah, look. And although I will say this, the one thing about the Green Bay game that Jameis did well which was the same in this game, was that he knew when to tuck it under and run. Jameis is not what you would call a runner, but he's a good athlete and can run and can run extremely effectively. He had three big ones in the Green Bay game early where he ran for first downs long before the game was decided. Like I said, in this one, he had four, if you count the two quarterback sneaks, where he ran for first downs and they were enormous. But if he got any help from Kenny Stills or Kevin White, who honestly should not be playing in an NFL game if you had a a real core of wide receivers. I mean, these are guys that should not have NFL jobs right now. And you can see that. Super duper retreads. The retreads of the retreads. And I like Kevin White. Look, he made a great play on the punt to down it at the one. Um, I love Sean Payton trying to make the most of what he can make the most of. But you, you... to make a real run, we, we've got to see more weapons. We, we've got to see Mike Thomas. I mean, I've said it a thousand times. But but here's the thing, Jim. Here's why I like the upside so much. If if Mike Thomas is Mike Thomas, he's not the guy from last year. He's the guy from any other Mike Thomas time. And he's still the hardest working guy in the NFL. If he's the Mike Thomas of 17 or 18 or 19, if he's that guy, you got a shot to be a good offense with him and Kamara. Then all of a sudden, Deontay Harris is your change of pace speed guy. Then all of a sudden, Taysom Hill's running over a guy. If Mike Thomas can be Mike Thomas, this team could be special by December. That's why I think they have a better chance to be better than people think than they do have of going the wrong way. Now, look, and again, until Mike, we kept thinking. The same thing last year. Let's get Mike Thomas back. And it literally never happened. Even when he played, he wasn't the same guy. So even if he does get on the field, maybe he's not the same guy. Maybe the ankle is bothering him. But if Mike Thomas is Mike Thomas, this team's got a shot to make a run. This is the Saints fan in me and not the sports writer in me. Mike Thomas is done. He got his money. It happens to so many players. He was the, he was one he was the greatest receiver in the NFL for his for that short little window. He got the money, and it, it destroyed him. And I never well, I, mean, I never thought uh, yeah, yeah. he got hurt. I mean, you he's not fighting. The, you can write that narrative, and until he, he proves you wrong, that narrative has validity. I would agree with he's you. He's not fighting well, to come back. He has a chance. He has a chance to to put the big eraser to what you just said. Ah, uh, sure. You know what? I hope so. And uh, hope so too. He, he's fighting. He's not fighting to come back. He shows me nothing that makes him say he wants to come back. I, I, I get, I get, I just get the feeling he doesn't care. Um, yeah. I get the feeling he doesn't really care about this team. 
And that doesn't fit in. I mean, you saw the passion that Demario Davis had last night yeah. when they asked him in the post-game interview about yeah. this team. And you could tell yeah. that that dude is the heart and soul of this team. Oh, that, that, that dude is, he's unreal. He's, he, is, he is everything you think he is in a positive way. And look, so is Alvin Kamara. These are two guys who, yeah, he does it know, in a different way, but yes. In every aspect. Yeah. Those are two guys who in 30 years, you're going to ask me who are my favorite saints to cover in the whatever, how many years I cover the saints. And those two guys are going to be in the, in, in the top 10 without question. And Sam Mills would be another one. I, I mentioned him a little while ago. Like, like there are guys who you just are a joy to deal with, a joy to cover, and a joy to watch. And it's rare that they put it all together. And and both Demario Davis and Alvin Kamara. That look, Mike Thomas has not been that guy. But I will say this: I it, in his way up on his ascension, you have literally never seen a player work harder. We said it a thousand. Every practice snap is third down and eight in the NFC championship in the fourth quarter. He worked unbelievably hard every play in, in training camp, in practice. If, and I got to believe that guy's still alive. I, I got to hope. And if that guy's there, if, if Jameis Winston can get one reliable guy, um, I think this team's got a chance to be good. They, if, if this offense is the one that has to play in the playoffs, they're not going very far. They need, they need to get Kamara some help. We're going to do a show in the offseason about our favorite players to cover. Mine's Cam Jordan. Oh, yeah. I'm in. You give, I'm in. give me about 30 minutes to prepare, yeah. and I'm in. Because there, there are some guys. And look, what we like, what I like in a player – it's not going to be necessarily what a fan likes. For Look, sure. one thing I expect out of players is that if you lose, I expect you to stand there and ask questions, about, yeah. answer questions about it. It's not the most pleasant part of your job, but it's part of your job. Right. And how people handle, how players handle when they lose, handle me, who they don't have to be nice to me. 100%. They don't have to be professional to me, but how the guys who when they lose still are, that tells me more about who you are than when you win, when everybody's happy. Teron Armstead is a class act no matter what. No matter what, Teron Armstead's going to answer 100%. questions to the best of his ability. He's going to be a class act. And those are the guys that I want to prospecting more, the guys who, because when you handle the, when I used to work at the record store, somebody had the vacuum at the end of the day. It was the worst part of the job, but whoever vacuumed the best, like that's the guy who takes their job a little more seriously. He's got a, just a different attitude. And that's Demario Davis and Kamara and Sam Mills. And I mean, there's going to be 50 guys that I could name that are Zach Streif, unbelievable. Ben Watson for his short time here, unbelievable to deal with. Just guys who just pros in every way. Try mopping the floor and cleaning sinks at a pizza joint. <laughs> right. But, but I mean, you, it, you can't pawn it off on somebody else. You got to do it. You got no, to try to do the it. Pawn. Yeah. One thing yeah, about it. One thing about this, Sean Payton, I've talked about this with you before, but you no, know, Sean Payton's a pain in the ass. A lot of times to deal with. Um, he, he, if it's not coach speak, he just, he's not telling you anything. Um, right. uh, but the one thing that he does as well as anybody and maybe better than anybody in the NFL right now is he's got 30 guys like that on his team every year. He's got class acts. Yeah. He's got guys that know how to behave. 
Um, you're not going to find them doing something stupid because if they do something stupid, they're gone. If they don't fit into his mold, uh, <clears throat> Brandon Cooks, uh, they're going to be gone. Um, if they don't play play the way that he wants them to play, they're going to be gone. And well, look, and he, that's not by accident. Our remember not. the press conference in West Virginia, and, and I don't remember which year it was in West Virginia, but in West Virginia, when they, when they were in the middle of the seven and nine runs, and they said, "We let the culture of this locker room get away. We're going to get it back, and exactly. that's going to help us win." And those seven and nine teams, it was a rough locker room, and it is not now. And the difference in the character in the locker room in the last. In this current run, which would be year five of this run, the character in the locker room is grossly noticeably different for me dealing with these guys than it was during the seven and nine. Like if I didn't know how many games they won or lost, just the quality of people and the ease of dealing with professionals who handle their business the right way. It is literally night and day from 2014 and 15 to now. Literally night and day. You want to know what else is night and day? I'm going to give you four words that make it the biggest difference to 2014 and now. You ready? Uh-huh. Rob Ryan, Dennis Allen. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, Dennis Allen is – Dennis Allen is going to get another head coach job and it's going to stink because Dennis Allen right. – you, you said it right off the bat. Dennis Allen was on. Dennis Allen, his de- the defensive play calling – Last night. And look, Dennis Allen is calling plays with the Saints offense to 2011, right? Where, yes. where you couldn't go wrong. Correct. You know what I mean? So many weapons on that defense, especially getting Davenport back, which I will say again, made an enormous difference. He's got a lot of tools in his, in his, uh, in his toolbox that he can throw at people and he can do a lot of, things because they're so versatile and so good when they're healthy. Sean Payton on offense doesn't have all those tools right now, and he's trying to make do with one guy. But, yeah, Dennis Allen threw stuff at Seattle, at Geno Smith. Uh, like I said, other than that one play at Metcalf, Geno Smith had no idea what he was doing all game. Some dude named Ringo was drumming up on the Seahawks last night. You, you like how I did he that? Has been able to, yes, he has been able to get it. from, And, and he, now he gets on you out of that. He gets literally one of his best pieces he gets back this week. Now all we need is a guy named McCartney and Lennon. We'll be, uh, we'll be rolling. <laughs> right, right. Doug, I'm going to skip the three questions because you were so outstanding. Um, I don't think we need to. I think we've said everything we need to say. I will ask you this, though. Um, I kind of get a sense of how you feel. Uh, I know how you feel about playoffs. They're going to go to the playoffs. And I'm, I think I agree. But uh, – what do you think is going to happen on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Um, you know what? I, I, I got to look at it more. I watched – look, Tom Brady is on right now. He's hitting deep balls like crazy. Um, I wouldn't bet on the Saints right now. If I had to bet just head up, I would give Tampa Bay a better chance of winning this one. Um, I mean, I don't think it's critical for where I think this team is going yet. And I don't – if Deontay Harris and Taysom Hill aren't on the field, it's going to be even harder if you don't get either one of them back. Let me see who's They're playing. They're five-point underdogs. Yeah, and I think that's probably about right. I, I, I would give the edge to Tampa Bay right now. If you get Taysom Hill and Deontay Harris back, I think you got a better shot. I'm not crazy about the Saints' chances this, year, uh, this week. 
And it might be one of the last games that I feel that way once you start getting healthy. But I'm not crazy about the Saints' chances this week. And I hate saying that because I'm usually the overly optimistic guy. But I'm not going to lie. I don't like the Saints' chances this week as of Tuesday. Well, Tennessee's coming up not two, two weeks after, so that'll be an interesting. Yeah, but what Tennessee does well is run right at you, and yeah. I can't wait to well, see that, yeah, but that's a Derek different Henry animal. running at the Mario Day. I cannot wait for that one. And that, see, I'm gonna that's not Joe Blow running that. back. That, that, this, I get that. Potential top five that. running back of all time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I get that. But, but I've seen DeMario Davis knock people down without even touching them last night. So I, I love that matchup. I, I can't wait to see that one. That one is going to be a blast just to see DeMario Davis and, and Derrick Henry. But I'm going to like the Saints' chances in that one. Um, this one is the rough one just because you're so not there yet offensively. The NFL did the Saints no favors when they added that 17th game and uh, forced them to play the the Titans. Um, but it is on the road. When you, on the road, when we but when you keep winning divisions, I guess you get what you get. And uh, the fact that they keep winning divisions with these monster schedules, um, and you get nine home games next year, so we're gonna be we're gonna be praising it next well, year. Assuming that Hurricane Josephina doesn't blast oh, us right. into oblivion. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. So, but. You know, we're, we're due let's, to have let's, a, let's not, we're let's due to go, go through there. that, right? All right, so no, we're, we're going to end on that. Uh, I thank you. I know you, uh, the day after a game is tough for you, um, especially getting up in the morning. And uh, I'm not a morning person either. We missed the bus again. I had to drive my kid to school. Um, <laughs> it was an extra shot of whatever at Starbucks kind of morning. So I, I feel you, and thank you for coming on. Yeah, anytime, Jim. It's fun doing it. All right, Doug. Doug Mouton here on the Datitude Podcast. We will talk to you later. Always fun. Doug and I have known each other for a little while now. Um, it's always easy to do those kinds of interviews when you know the other person. I mean, most of the interviews that I've done so far are with people that I know. I've had a couple with people, a few, with people that I don't know. I mean, Mike Haas, Chris Blair, Mike Detillier last week. Um, I don't know Stan Verrett very well. He was on in episode one. So, but uh, when you got when you got a Jeff Duncan, a Mike Triplett, a uh, Doug Mouton, um, guys that I've known for quite a while, we had Andrew Lopez on. Obviously, we do our Friday stuff with my friends, uh, Conductor Dave and Uncle Big Nick. But uh, it's uh, it's it's always much easier. And I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far uh, to this point. Tell your friends about it. Uh, this is about having fun. I mean, we're, we're, look, it's and it's easy to have fun when the Saints win, right? Um, we're going to try to have fun when as much fun as we can have when they lose too. Uh, my friends are going to come on here and make fun of my picks when I stink. And I'm going to make fun of them when I don't stink. Uh, and we're all going to have ride this saints train, uh, together and see what happens as we go down the line. And at the same time, we're going to talk about the Pelican some, we didn't talk about LSU at all this weekend cause I didn't think we needed to. Um, and it is what it is. But we're going to try to have fun. This, this podcast is going to evolve. And it cannot evolve without you. So make sure you come back again. Uh, one more reminder, you can email me at jderry at theadvocate.com. And on Twitter, you can message me at Jim Derry Jr. You can listen to this podcast wherever you're listening to it now on bet.nola.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. And wherever else you get your podcast. 
Make sure to subscribe. Search for Datitude. And hey, look, we can be friends, right? We can talk to each other three times a week. Every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday. I'll be the talking, and you can yell at your phone or however else you listen to the podcast. And this guy's a moron. But you know what? I'm going to make it entertaining. I'll be an entertaining moron. How's that? Don't forget the videos on bet.nola.com. Odds and ends on Mondays with Zach Ewing, sports betting director at bet.nola.com, along with Devin Jackson and myself. Fantasy Roundup on Tuesdays, coming up later today with Zach and Spencer, the guru, Urquhart. And at the book on Thursdays, featuring Cashing In with Carville with Zach, Devin, and myself. Again, I want to thank Doug Mouton for spending part of his Tuesday morning with me when he's got a lot of things to do. Come back tomorrow. Listen to what retiring Pro Football Hall of Fame President David Baker had to say. It's a long interview, and I know that, I'm telling you, it is worth a listen. David Baker, the gentle giant, a man that makes me look small, and I'm not just talking figuratively. This man... He's like 6'8", I don't know, 4-something, but he is, he's awesome. He is one of the nicest guys you will ever meet. It had come shining through throughout his interview um, about an hour, and that'll be tomorrow. Talk about all kinds of things, New Orleans. Talk about the NFL. Talk about what potential Saints in the future are going to make the Hall of Fame. We know Drew Brees is going to make it, not just Drew Brees. We talk about the Bensons. We talk about the Saints' future. In New Orleans, uh, Gail Benson, all sorts of things. It's a great conversation, and you will enjoy it. Then on Friday, we'll have Conductor Dave and Uncle Big Nick back on to review the excellent picks we made last week. Seriously, we were good last week. If you listened and you followed us, you made some money. And we'll do it all over again. Weekend of college football and week eight of the NFL coming up. Week eight of the NFL coming up. We're only one week away from the midway point of the NFL football season. Also, I will go in depth about what I think the Saints' chances are of upsetting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who will come into New Orleans on Sunday as four- to five-point favorites, maybe even a little more, depending on how much Aunt Mabel and her friends, Drunk Joe, want to lay down on the visitors. Get yourselves prepared, my friends. We joked about the weather earlier. Tomorrow, supposed to have some bad weather, so be careful with that. You can stay inside and listen to Datitude, right? And then we'll get back to the beautiful fall temps just in time for the Halloween weekend. It's going to be a fun weekend, and we got a little bit more to do before we get there. Talk to y'all on Wednesday. Peace and love, my friends.